Well, in 2005, I was at Al-Assad Air Base in the Al-Anbar province in Iraq. I was with First Force Reconnaissance Company. And one afternoon, we got a call that there was a, um, some terrorist activity in a town called Baghdadi. And the, the report that we received was that these terrorists were, were digging a hole and they were, they were hiding weapons in there. And there was a well-known terrorist in this small town. So we got in our vehicles and we went to go investigate to see what was going on. And when we got to this town, we started going from house to house. And as we went up to a particular house, um, we were getting set to, to blow the door up, basically. Um, but the door was open. So as we entered in the door, we saw three guys on a couch with some, with some snacks, and they were watching Friends in Farsi. And, <laughs> and they, we crashed their party. And, and here's the thing, no one likes to feel like they crashed someone's party. But sometimes we could feel like we crashed God's party. And the result of this feeling is, is this foundational sense of insecurity. And that affects how we love others. And the truth is that God chose you before the foundation of the world, adopted you into his family for the sole purpose of displaying his glory by lavishing his love upon you in Christ. And when we embrace this truth, everything in our life changes. And as Christians, we must remember that our security in Christ's love and reliance on the Holy Spirit empowers us to love others without fear. And so today we're going to continue our, our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to look at love. So if you're not there, go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Now in Colossians 3.14, we're told, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So we see that love is what binds all of these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. So it's appropriate for us to look at love first as it is the overall grace from which all other of the virtues or aspects of the, of the fruit of the Spirit are grown in. And let's face it, we are a society that is obsessed with love. We even made up a holiday for it. A commercial holiday, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a holiday. However, we've been sold this Hollywood version of love. And it has left this wake of broken relationships, frustration, and, and discouragement that we have all felt or we have all contributed to at some level. Yet godly, fruitful love is strong, sacrificial affection for a person and their good. Um, as one author puts it, he says, Love is a holy, abiding, and vigorous spirit which rules the whole man, ever directing him to the humble and loving fulfillment of all his duties to God and man. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three aspects of fruitful love and see how we can apply them to our lives and our growth in Christ-likeness. So let me pray and ask God to just bless our time. Oh, Father, we come to you right now, and we just pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us, would illuminate your words to us. Teach us, Holy Spirit, the things that we do not know. May we be secure in our love that you have for us, Lord. So we love you and we ask your hand of blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we see is that fruitful love is transformational. 
Fruitful love originates from a transformational source. Verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We see that the source of love is God. The fact that we even have a concept of love is not this evolutionary coping mechanism, but it is a, a super... It is a, a supernatural manifestation of the triune God. Because God is love. God doesn't just love. He is love. You see, before the foundation of the world, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, has had this loving relationship. Forever. For eternity. Yet, God, because He is intrinsically love, intrinsically relational, creates us. Why? Not because He's lonely. He's not sitting there going, I'm so lonely. I need someone to love me. He's sitting there and he's saying, my very being of who I am is love. And I want to glorify myself in my love because I've had this loving relationship within myself intrinsically forever. So he creates us for the sole purpose of lavishing his love upon us. And that's transformational. We see that fruitful love is demonstrated through a transformational savior. Verse 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. By faith, we live in this secure, eternal love relationship with the Father in Christ. And this is sometimes hard for us to grasp because some of us have baggage. We have baggage when it comes to love, especially love from the Father. I think about my own baggage. At 10, my biological father um, left, my, left our lives. And I didn't really have a relationship with him. So for the longest time, the, the understanding of, of a loving father was really difficult for me. And it even got more difficult as I had kids of my own. But I have to recognize that baggage. We see that fruitful love is defined by the transformational gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, a propitiation, a, a means of appeasing wrath and gaining righteousness for our sins. My son, Brian, he's 20, but when he was a teenager, um, I'd have to have conversations with him sometimes. You know those father-son conversations where you kind of tune, tune him up a little bit? Um, you know what I'm talking about, fathers. So he would say he would be doing something, and, and we'd have those really uh, tough conversations. He'd say, oh, Dad, I'll do better. But he never did. He's better now, but there would be times where he would get better. And so there's one thing to say something, and there's another thing to do something. And God just doesn't say he loves us. He demonstrates it on the cross. You see, the gospel is the greatest love story ever. The gospel is a triune God, an eternal loving God, a God that doesn't need us, creates us for the sole purpose of lavishing his love upon us so that he can receive the glory for that, yet we reject that love. And God, being a perfect loving God, but yet being a perfect just God, must punish that sin. And so there's a problem because he needs to punish our sin, but he's a perfectly loving God. So what does he do? He sends the eternal Son, the beloved Son, who steps down from heaven, lives a perfect and righteous life, and was nailed to a cross. 
Now, Jesus anguished on, anguished on the cross, not because necessarily of the physical pain. Yes, that was great, but it was the emotional and spiritual pain. This is the first time that the eternal Son, who's had a perfect, loving relationship, felt the sin of the world and the wrath of the Father upon him for us. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we enter into this Trinitarian love exchange for eternity. And that's not it. Because one day God is going to make a new heavens and a new earth, and we'll actually physically sit there with Him, experiencing that love in real time. It's the greatest love story ever. So what's the practical implication here for us? Since we are 100% secure in the love of Christ, verse 11 says we ought to love one another. Not with any kind of flippant Hollywood love, but with a supernatural love that God showed us in Christ. But here's the thing. This is impossible on our own strength. We need help. So that leads me to my second point. Fruitful love is inspirational. Fruitful love is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 says, this is how we know that we live in Him and, and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. We see that love proceeds from the Father to the Son and is manifested through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this supernatural love makes no sense and is impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7 says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. My, my, my stepfather, the, the one who raised me, who I consider my dad, he, um, just a few months ago when I went back home to California, um, he had to have a pacemaker put in. His heart was all wacky. It was going all crazy. So they put a pacemaker in, and instantly when they put that pacemaker, things changed. And we see that the inspired love of God is infused into our hearts by the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit, and things change. God is a transformational God. When He indwells us, things change. We see fruitful love is inspired that's inspired by the Holy Spirit changes the motivations of our hearts. Verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. So what does this love look like? We see 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Brian, I don't do all these things. Amen on that, because I get you. Here's the thing. We are all works in progress. And some things come a little bit easier than others for us. But I want the fact to remain that God is changing the motivation of your heart. You see, the Holy Spirit transforms you. So you will change. God promises change. He, cha he says your motivations will change. And that doesn't always seem apparent to us. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it happened to me the other day. I was looking at a picture of myself. Uh, I don't do that often, but I was looking at a picture of myself. And... And then I looked in the mirror and I said, boy, my, my hair is getting pretty gray. <laughs> and this, I was like, this is, I didn't even notice that. And sometimes we don't even notice the change in our lives, but God is changing us. 
Maybe you see that in the things that you used to like and you don't like those things anymore. But God has promised to change us. We see fruitful love inspired by the Holy Spirit transforms us into Christ's likeness. This is the whole point. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to transform us into the likeness of Christ. Verse 16 and 17 says, Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. The Holy Spirit confronts our eternal commitment to love others. And the thing is, is we shouldn't just love others. We should desire to love others. There should be a desire to do this, to do acts of love for people. It's, it's like a few weeks ago, I, I used this analogy before, but it just is so appropriate. Eric and I had our, a wedding, our wedding anniversary, went to Kenny Buffport's, had a great time. But when I scheduled this or when I planned this, if I would have went to her and said, hey, I, I planned this getaway for us, and she said, oh, that's great. I would have said, well, I have to. Like, that would have been, like, pretty bogus, right? It would have been like, what do you mean you have to? But no, I wanted to. There was a desire to do this. So how do we do this? How do we grow in this desire? Well, we must rely and be taught by the Holy Spirit. We must co cooperate with the Spirit and take practical actions to love others well. We have to position ourselves to allow the Spirit to work. Um, a couple weeks ago, I got on the scale. I don't like to get on the scale. But I got on the scale, and I realized I gained five pounds this winter. This winter was not good for me, to me at all. And so I said, you know what? I got to get back in the gym. I got to get back in the gym. So I went to the YMCA and I got a membership and I walked through the door of the gym. So that's a start, right? I walked in the door. But now I have to work out. And I know that when I work out, the desire to work out is going to grow. But here's the thing. Some of us, we're not even at the gym. Some of us have walked in and we're staring at the treadmill and we're contemplating, going, hmm, should I do this? Some of us are looking at the treadmill and we're saying, I want to do it, but I don't know how to work the treadmill. I need help. So how can we grow in love by the Spirit? Well, there's a few things. First, we must saturate our hearts and minds with the Word of God. There is a link between basking in the glory of God and growing in Christ-like love. And God's glory is revealed by His Holy Spirit through the reading of His Word. You see, people that have a low view of Scripture, have a low view of Christ, and have a low capacity to transmit and receive love. And so we've got to be men and women of the Word. I want to encourage you to be in Scripture. Dig into this Word every single day. Maybe get into a group, a Bible reading group, so that you could read through this. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know how to read the Bible. Then you need to contact me or Pastor John so we can help you with this. Second, we need to be in Christ-honoring, loving, transparent relationships with the people of God. You grow in love when you're around God's people. You need people in your life that can speak truth to you. Not just any truth, but the truth that we find in God's word. You need people to encourage you in this journey. That's how you grow in love. So I would encourage you to get into a small group. Or maybe this is just one-on-one, -on -one, or maybe this is a few friends. But nonetheless, get into a group. We're meant to be in community. Third 
we need to pray fervently and listen to the Spirit of God. We must pray for those that we have a hard time loving. There's people in our lives that are just so hard to love. We need to pray for them. We need to ask God to just give us a supernatural capacity to love them. Fourthly, we need to listen and obey. As you engage God through his scripture, through his word, and you're in prayer, and you're in community, he's going to respond. God responds. The questions are, will you listen and will you obey? In 2008, it was a very transformational year for me. And I remember praying. And I remember God was growing this love for my biological father that I never thought I could have. And I was resisting it. And I remember going to a Bible study, and they were like, as I was resist resisting it, this Bible study was about forgiveness. I'm like, oh, gosh. And then I go, okay, whatever. Then I listen to a podcast a couple days later, and it's about this, this, this guy who's estranged with his father, and they, they come and they're reconciled. I'm like, come on, God, give me a break. <laughs> so then I had a really good idea. I said, you know what, I'm going to talk to my wife, Erica. And... Maybe she'll be complicit in my restraining of the Holy Spirit. And I said, you know, I've been kind of thinking about this thing with my biological dad. And she's like, you need to contact him. And I'm like, great, God. So I contacted him. And, and it was strange because I'd always had my chip on my shoulder about this guy. And, I mean, I don't even know. It's kind of strange. It's like I didn't really know him. But like there was things I was trying to prove to him. It doesn't even make any sense as I even talk about it. It was just, it's very strange. But when I, when I contacted him, um, it was like God gave me this capacity to love difficult people and receive his love in a way that I had never experienced before. So we have to obey. We have to trust and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit when he leads us into these areas. So the question is, do you trust the Holy Spirit, where he's leading you right now. There's someone right now, as I was just telling my story, that you thought about, you were thinking about. Is there, who is that person, and where is God leading you with that person right now? Finally, we see that fruitful love is confrontational. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We were confronted and loved by God. God took the initiative when we didn't deserve it. Therefore, therefore, we're called to take the initiative when others don't deserve it. Verse 21 says, And he has given us this command, Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And you see, fruitful love confronts others with no fear. Verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The fact is, because we are securely loved for eternity in Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can love others fearlessly. We could risk it all because we're secure in Christ. We could love like Jesus right now. The question is, what does this look like? Right? This is where the rubber meets the road. What does this look like? Well, we see fruitful love makes the tough decisions. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane, with a blood-soaked brow, our Lord cried out, 
Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. The decision to die on the cross and bear the wrath of the Father came at a great cost to our Lord Jesus. But this was a tough decision. In order to satisfy God's justice, but his perfect love, he went to the cross. And let me just say this. This was not a popular decision with the disciples. If you remember, when Jesus is talking about what's going to happen, Peter's like, oh, that's not going to happen. What does he say? He says, get behind me, Satan. This was not a popular decision, but fruitful love makes those tough decisions for the good of the other person out of love. Those tough decisions where you know you're going to get questioned. Those tough, tough decisions where people are going to do the Monday morning quarterback and go, oh, why did you do that? And, and insert some sort of motivations there, not knowing how much that decision costed you. So fruitful love makes those tough decisions. We see fruitful love accepts the consequences for speaking the truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was the truth, and he spoke the truth, and they nailed him to a cross. I did some lifeguard training when I was in a Marine, and I don't know if you know, if any of you have ever been to um, lifeguard training, if you've seen someone get rescued either in a pool or a beach, but when you go to do a, a, a save someone in a pool or in a body of water, people are crazy when they're drowning. They'll grab anyone around them, and they'll drown them with you. They'll grab the people around them, they'll grab the lifeguard around them. And sometimes what you have to do is you have to subdue them. And I remember one time at a pool seeing a lifeguard go on there, and this person was flopping around trying to grab other people. And so the lifeguard had to go up there and punch the person in the face. And there was someone on the, set, on the side going, well, that's pretty insensitive. <laughs> but honestly, it was the most loving thing that that person could have did. And the thing is, we're called to love people enough to speak the truth to them at whatever cost. Lives are on the line. And biblical truth in our culture is going to come off as insensitive. So the most loving thing we could do is give them the truth of the gospel. That's the most loving thing we could do. And there's a consequence for that. Fruitful love gives sacrifices and forgives at whatever the cost. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus knew the cost for loving us would be his life. So the question is, do we love one another enough to forgive each other? Extend grace with or without apologies for the wrong that was done to us. Are we prepared to give it all for the sake of the other? The answer should be yes. We can fearlessly love and give it all because we are secure in our love with Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we were created for this. Here's the thing. We were created for love. We were created for love. Have you ever done, did something you're like, this is what I was created for and you just feel like, you're just walking and you're like, this is so easy for me. God has gifted you in some way, whatever that is. Maybe it's at your work, it's at home, it's in the garden, I don't know. But it's you're like, this is what God created me for and it's easy for you to do and it's hard for everyone else. Well, all of us were created to love. 
And when we love like Jesus loved, fearlessly, we experience a satisfaction and a capacity that we've never felt before. Because that's what we're created to do. Finally, we see love, fruitful love embraces others in the midst of emotional complexity. Human relationships are weird. They're weird. It's, <clears throat> we experience these highs and these lows, and it's just this melting pot of emotions sometimes with each other. In John 21, 15 through 22, you have the apostle Peter who has denied Christ. And Christ is resurrected, and he, he comes, and he's sitting with Peter. And he asks Peter, and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and he restores Peter. Jesus confronts that emotional complexity with Peter. And Peter says, you know everything, Lord. And then Jesus tells him, listen, this is how you're going to die. You're going to die a pretty horrible death. And what does Peter say? He says, who's standing next to John, he goes, well, what about that guy? So Peter, who comes at really humbly, Jesus restores him, then sticks his foot right back in his mouth. We are emotional weirdos. But yet, we're called to confront people in love in that emotional complexity. We have to stop loving people based off of the reaction or response we want or think we're going to get. So what relationships right now are you not confronting in fruitful love? I want to encourage you that you could do this because the one who confronted sin and death and overcame it lives inside of you and is empowering you for this love. So don't hesitate. Just love right now. I'm going to ask Tiffany to come up here. And she comes up here. We're just going to take a few minutes. I want you to reflect. As I've been speaking, as I've been talking, as, as I've been preaching this morning, the Holy Spirit is, is churning in your heart. And there's someone that you're thinking about right now. I want you to spend some time just with you and God. I want you to pray that God would give you, fill you with His Holy Spirit so that you could love this person well. I want you to pray for direction and guidance by the Holy Spirit. So let's just spend a few minutes.
we just pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us with the fullness of love that you have lavished upon us in Jesus Christ. I pray that we would love others from this security, knowing that you have sealed us by your Holy Spirit, that this love can never be taken away from us. Help us. Give us the capacity to love those that are hard to love. Give us the capacity to love like you love, Jesus. We thank you for taking the initiative, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done on the cross, demonstrating how much you've loved us. May we honor you by loving others. So be with us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.